Welcome to episode 82 of the Various and Sundry podcast. I am your host, Matt Harmon, joined live in the vault studio on the beautiful campus of Grace College and Theological Seminary by my good friend, my colleague, my co-host, and the man who mixes a mean batch of grout, John <laughs> Scott Sloat. Doc, what's happening? Well, what's happening is uh, a little bit of the Monday morning fatigue. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sore bodies here this morning. Sore bodies, yes, and, and, and late nights. Um, yeah, so this, this past weekend was the, was the Harmon Kitchen Tile Project. So late nights, long hours, mm-hmm. along with uh, our good friend Gabe as well. So um, yeah, uh, so far it's turned out great. I mean, yeah. it's basically done, just a little little, little touch-up work, touch work here and there. touch-up work here and there, but the floor's in. And uh, no major injuries. Nope, nope. Uh, blisters. Yeah, I've got these cuts all over my thumb and uh, index finger, middle finger here. Like just like those, they're like a little bigger than paper cuts, kind of thing from handling broken tile. And that yeah, kind of stuff. We're, we're we're men of books, you know. <laughs> <We're>, <laughs> Indeed, we we traditionally aren't built for you know uh, yes. maneuvering mortar and and these yes. various things. Uh, no one would look at my hands and think that man is a day laborer. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was it was a good weekend, long weekend, but uh, very they're very satisfied with the with the results. It looks good. Well, good, good. Sore bodies, full hearts, right? There you go. There you go. Something like that. But uh, let's talk a little world of sports here. So, uh, since the last episode dropped, the NBA Finals concluded the Bucks won in six which was not my prediction. I had Suns in six. Yeah. What do you think about Giannis went for, was it 50 in that yes. last game? I mean, just sort of took it on, put it, put it on his shoulders and, yeah. and finished it off. But I mean, the big thing with, with that game was Giannis was what, like 16 of 17 from the free throw line. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the difference. Yeah. You know, if he's going to shoot 16 of 17 from the free throw line, then that changes how you defend him. Like you can't just hack him and think, well, most of the time he goes to the line, he'll hit one or two, so he saved a point. But if he's going to hit free throws like that, then you're in trouble. But, um, you know, I this will come as no surprise to our listeners, but I, I, I'm weary of the overreaction, hot take in the what? moment post, you know, championship. Giannis is now the best player in the NBA. <laughs> he's the face of the NBA. Like, while we were saying about that, you know, like, it, spare me. They're pulling up tweets from 2014. Yeah. I'm staying in Milwaukee to win a championship. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, he played a great series to win yep. the title. He deserved he, to win. He, he deserved to win. Yep. They played much better than the Suns did. And so, but I just, you know, we, we live in this era of, mm-hmm. you know, captive of the moment. That was the greatest we've ever seen. Well, actually, and then next week will be the greatest thing we've ever seen. Like, yeah, just a little historical perspective, a little slow down kind of thing. Let it breathe. Yeah, exactly. Like, congratulations to him. Kudos to him. But you know, let's let's. I think I I think one of the ones that that caught me the most was something like, um, if you're going to like basically moving Giannis into the top ten or twelve players of all time. Based on this, okay, 
Have you stopped to start running that list of the top 10 or 12 players and who yeah, you're going to pull yeah. out to put Giannis in at this point? Like, come on. Yeah. Give me two more championships and then we can have that conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Though I did find it interesting. They showed a picture of of him when he was drafted. He's a skinny fellow. It's like 6'8 and what? Like a buck. Buck 85 maybe. Yeah. <laughs> and now he's 6'11 and two what? 235 maybe? I was going to say 240. Yeah, he's a big guy. So, yeah, just, you know, again, captives of the moment. But speaking of captives of the moment, what's going on with our Mets? So the Mets have won back-to-back series against maybe not top-flight teams, but teams that are hungry. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we took two or three from the Reds um, earlier this week in Cincinnati, and then we just took two of three from the Blue Jays, Toronto, in New York. Uh, so those those are two good series wins. Mm-hmm. We have five games against the Braves this week. So um, we can put our foot on the proverbial throat of the Braves and, and just about end their season this okay. week. Do you think the guy that was at the Reds game will be at those games cheering on his, his Braves? Uh, potentially. <laughs> potentially. Did we talk about that on we air? We did. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Remember the, I played the little audio clip? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I forgot oh, about him. that guy. What a life. What a life. Um, and we're and the Olympics have started. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I've watched about – I was doing tile all right. weekend. You know, so, <laughs> We've been a little busy. Um, I watched about a half hour of the Olympics maybe. So yes. I saw some three-on-three basketball and some rowing that just looks terrible. That that just does not look like fun. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think rowing is also one of those sports where there is little – to no effect of not having spectators. Mm-hmm. You know, some sports you're like you like a, like volleyball or even you know obviously basketball. Sure. When you have crowds in, it just changes the dynamic of those events and the buzz. And but that you just never got that feel for rowing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I imagine gym, gymnastics is, yes. is one that you want a crowd there for. Absolutely. Swimming, even you like having yeah. a crowd there for. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But rowing, archery, not, not so much. Shooting. Yeah. Um, And one of the bigger stories coming out of the Olympics is the fact that the USA men's basketball team lost their opening game to France. Yeah. We lost to France. Yeah. I mean, France is is, is a pretty good international team. They have uh, Evan Fournier. Fournier, is that how you say it? Plays for the Celtics. Okay. Uh, Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. You know. They beat a team with Kevin Durant, Damian Lillard, Draymond Green, and Zach Levine. Like, I mean, there is no comparison on talent level that the Team USA should have walked all over that French team. Is it possible that Zach Levine is just poison to any team that he's on? That's entirely possible. But I haven't watched enough to know what's going on No one has. No one's watching the Bulls. Um, Well, but even when it comes to Olympic basketball, this – what what is striking is that there was a tweet someone point, pointed out that in that game, Evan Fournier scored um, more points than Kevin Durant, Damian Lillard, and Zach Levine combined. Wow. So what is wrong with USA basketball? I don't know. I, I haven't watched a game yet. Um, I, I think I have an armchair theory where oh, – Devin Booker's on that team now too. <laughs> like they, they got him in there. Like yeah. I, <laughs> It's not for lack of talent that they've lost. Yeah, yeah. I, I have a theory that the world is just better at team basketball, and that's going to beat um, some of the isolation ball that can happen in uh, in the American game sometimes. 
that, that's my I think armchair, that's part of it. armchair theory just a little bit. And I also think that um, – I mean a talent disparity between international basketball and American basketball has has shrunk significantly. But having said that, you also have to wonder – I mean you know, Coach K, Mike Krzyzewski was the guy for American basketball. And now they've got Greg Pop- Popovich who's a good NBA coach obviously. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But don't you have to put some of the blame on the coaching here? Like you've got all that talent and you can't beat France? Yeah, that's a problem. I, I just don't get that. I mean, I mean, that game was in the group stage. They should win their next two games and get on into the elimination round. But um, I, I have no confidence they're going to win the gold this year. I think I saw Tim Legler on Twitter go, wake-up call, USA loses to France. And I was like, what was Nigeria Yeah, then? <laughs> exactly. Or, or Australia. Yeah. Uh, Australia is a better team, obviously. I don't know. And, and I will just say, by the way, this is going to show a little bit of my bias here. But oh. <laughs> um, where are the people crushing Kevin Durant? Yeah, he, he's a little untouchable, isn't he? Because let's be honest, if this was LeBron James's team, he would be getting destroyed in the mm-hmm. media. Destroyed about not being able to lead this team to to, to a win. Uh, it's crickets on Kevin Durant. Where's the where's people crushing Kevin Durant for not being able to lead this team and scoring ten points? Yeah, he's he's averted. You know, he's uh, he's avoided controversy ever since he had the burner Twitter account. That w- that was really the last time he got yeah. crushed. Yeah. Anyway, I'm a little salty this morning because of lack of sleep, I think. So. Yeah, yeah. I, it's showing. It's showing. Do you have a burner Twitter account? And what did you say last night? I can neither confirm nor deny that I have a burner Twitter account. <laughs> uh, the other – a uh, couple other sports notes here and maybe we'll get into this down the road uh, depending on how things develop. But uh, we're about a month away from college football season starting and there's been a big shakeup in conference alignment, Oklahoma and – Texas are uh, are trying to leave the Big Twelve to join yeah, the SEC. It's rumored, rumored, right? It's it's not rumored. It, it it's 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 confirmed. They're trying. Okay. Okay. Um, now it has to go through a vote in the uh, among the SEC teams. And initially, when that news broke, there was a lot of like, "Well, Texas A and M will never allow that because they don't want another Texas team in." The sure. SEC. That was kind of how they were distinct, distinguishing themselves from, you know, Big Brother, you know, Texas. Texas. Yeah. And, um, but I think they have to get another. Like, I think, I think, what was the number? There's 14 teams currently, and I think three. If there's three that say no, it blocks it. Three or four. Hmm. But I, uh, as the story has developed, it's also been made clear that. This has been in the works for like six plus months. Really? Yes. Texas is a big uh, – it would be a big pull. Yeah. I mean I, I get it at one level but man, let me – they're going to they're gonna take their lumps to start. Like that team is not – Oh, oh, oh in, in football, football wise. They're yeah, going to yeah. get – they're going to get worked over a bit. Like they're, they're not going to immediately contend for an SEC title. Like they were barely going to contend for a Big Twelve title. Yeah. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how that all pans out, and just fascinating to see college football drives it. That is the sport that drives everything when it comes to conference alignment. Uh, and there were reports that now the Big Ten is 
maneuvering and trying to, you know, look at who can we pull from the wreckage of the Big Twelve. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see what happens there. One interesting note on that is that Kansas has emerged as a like leading candidate to to pull into the Big Ten, hmm. which for football would be irrelevant. It'd be another. Yeah, know, Kansas is absolutely <laughs> atrocious in football, but basketball that'd be a big that'd be a big shift. Pull. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it makes me wonder what's the future of uh, the future of the NCAA. Do they have any control whatsoever? Are they mm-hmm. just running these tournaments? Like what? What's the yeah. You know, what's the future of college sports? Well, and there are even rumors uh, – these are less confirmed – that the SEC has actually made serious like overtures to Ohio State, Michigan, Clemson, and Florida State to try to get to a 20-team conference to create a it. mega conference. I believe it. Yeah. And then they would break it off into like these pods where it would be like, you know – like divisions of five or something like that, and four divisions of five, and then it sounds like the setup of a of a pro, yeah, uh, totally a, a pro league where you have like the NL and the AL, yeah. or you know something like that. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see how that all shakes out um, down the road. But uh, and then there was one other there was an NFL note you wanted to bring up about yeah, uh, it just came on my phone. Yeah. Uh, Deshaun Watson, uh, the Texans have said they're willing to trade Deshaun Watson. Mm-hmm. who had been yep. requesting a trade for months now. Uh, and the Texans have leaked that they want, uh, I believe it's five high draft picks uh, and or starting caliber players. Yeah, that's realistic. They're not going to get it. <laughs> I mean, he, he's an amazing talent. And, and you know, maybe by the time this episode drops, they'll actually get it. Who who knows? But he's he feels really toxic right now. Who's gonna who's gonna who's gonna give that much with that still the cloud of all of those allegations of sexual misconduct? Yeah, and that's the that's the black box. We just don't know what's gonna happen. I just can't see and and here's the thing, even if even if he's not like criminally charged mm-hmm. with something, which looks like it could happen. Ultimately, you still have the optics of that, of whatever franchise who brings him in having to answer the nonstop um, you know, media pressure of do you not care about women being abused by yeah. this man? Like you're OK with having this guy as the face of your franchise who has these credible allegations of, of sexual misconduct? Like who, who wants that? Yeah, yeah. And he's not he's not that level of talent. There are some guys where you're like, you know, we we'll can put up with it. We can yeah. take the heat because he's that that great. Or like you shove him in a position that gets no spotlight. Like like right. if it's a if it's an offensive guard, you know, you trade him to a new team, he goes into relative obscurity and he's the guard on the team in I mean, super fans will know who who right. he is, but not not the not the average fan. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But with quarterback, you can't get away with that. Way too visible. Way too visible. So that's just laughable that the Texans think they can get that kind of return on him. Yeah. Do you think they're doing that just to to I mean not I do think they want to get rid of him. Mm-hmm. But do you think they're making it so ridiculous that they can say to Watson, look, we're trying. 
but we're just not getting value back. We're just back. trying to get your value back. Right. You know, we, we, right. we need fair – you know, I yeah. think I think that's a little bit of what they're doing. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. It, 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 <laughs> they, You know, by the time this podcast drops, we're recording Monday morning, they could get it. In a day? But who's going to want him? I don't know. <laughs> Miami. Miami could take it. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I would be sweating if Miami got if got him because because of the Jets. Yeah. I'd be yeah. I'd be nervous. Okay. All right. I don't want him in the division. That's fair. That's fair. I, I think, you know, as we get closer to the season, we'll we'll talk a little bit more football, but now we're in the we're in the hope springs eternal phase of the football season. Yeah. And one thing's for sure. The Jets won't go eight and eight. <laughs> We'll save that for a later episode. <laughs> we'll save that for a later episode. All right. Are we ready to move on to our main topic? I think we need to. Okay. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, all right. So uh, I brought this topic to the table uh, in part because I, I had read this book, was intrigued by it, and and I'm excited to get your reaction, thoughts uh, to uh, what C.S. Lewis uh, has to say. Now, Doc, would you mind uh, – obviously, you know who C.S. Lewis is. But would you mind walking us through uh, for, the, for the average listener out there who C.S. Lewis is, why he's, why he's an important figure? Yeah. So uh, C.S. Lewis, um, Clive Staples. Lewis. Clive Staples, yes. What a name. Yeah. I mean, how do you beat that? Um, is uh, – he, he was a uh, a British professor – at Oxford, who um, who came to faith in Christ uh, a little later in life, um, and uh, actually had a, a relatively distinguished academic career, but became most well known to a general audience really through, I'd say, probably two different avenues. One was his writing of the Chronicles of Narnia. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was probably his most uh, widely known writing. But not far after that is uh, probably Mere Christianity, yeah, which was his attempt in a very short uh, digestible book, which actually it started as a series of radio addresses yeah. that uh, tried to summarize the essence of Christianity mm-hmm. and became wildly popular. And uh, it's one of those books that's endured. You know, it's it's what eighty years old now, seventy five, eighty years old, and yeah. still widely read. And uh, it's it's endured. You know, you can read it today and benefit from it, and it doesn't feel. You know, obviously, places are going to feel dated in any seventy five year old book, but uh, it's held up remarkably well. And I believe he gave those radio broadcast of that book during World War II. I think that's correct. Yeah. Uh, so as as bombs are falling on London, he's he's yep. giving these addresses. And he was also uh, good friends with uh, J.R.R. Tolkien. Yep. Uh, famous author of the Lord of the Rings series uh, and the uh, and the Hobbit as well. So they had a very famous friendship. Mm-hmm. And Lewis was actually pretty instrumental in leading, or no, uh, other way around. Uh, Tolkien was relatively in, uh, instrumental in leading uh, Lewis to faith. Hmm. And there was a little bit of a, uh, a rift between them, though, because Tolkien was Catholic. Yes. 
And when Lewis converted, he became Protestant, which created a little rift there, but nothing. Have, have you read – this is off topic, but have you read the McGrath uh, biography of Lewis? I haven't. I have it. I have not read it. I want to. I'm, yeah. I'm a little nervous. I always get nervous reading people who had huge output. Mm-hmm. So I'm worried about like, goodness, my, my meager output in life is going to look <laughs> so minuscule next to this massive output, you know? Um, I always yeah. worry about that a little bit. But he wrote the book uh, – C.S. Lewis wrote the book that we're talking about today. Which is? Uh, the Abolition of Man. OK. Uh, which, is a, which is a wild title, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I have it right here. Um, obviously, listeners can't see this because audio platform. Um, it's a short book. It is 80 pages. And that's pretty big print in that, in that version of it too. It's, yes, yes. We're not talking like Banner of Truth. Works of Jonathan Edwards, two columns, <laughs> eight-point font kind of stuff here. Yes, uh, 81 pages, uh, large, large print. Um, it very – I would say it's one of his least readable books. It, okay. It's You have to read each page a couple of times. Mm-hmm. It, it's a little difficult to get through. It's also a series of three lectures I believe that he gave. Okay. Um, but uh, but I really just want to talk about the first chapter because there's, there's a pretty amazing, amazing – analogy there that, that mm-hmm. I think is interesting that I like to discuss. And it's called Men Without Chest. OK. Uh, so Men Without Pectoral Muscles here? Is yes, exactly. We're about exactly. Here? He was obviously – The need of physical fitness. Was he on the front end of CrossFit? <laughs> is there yeah. any sort of historical rooting to that? I hear that Lewis was a, was a, was a major <laughs> CrossFitter uh, in London. Oh, it's such an image in my head of C.S. Lewis uh, walking down – Flipping tractor tires. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. I, I used to live near a CrossFit gym in Louisville and – Guys would – I just see guys walking down the street with like two forty-five plates yeah. in their hands. I was just like, what a, what a world, you know? Um, <laughs> and here I am sipping my coffee, you know, watch, watching them do this right. uh, while I'm sitting there. You know, I feel I – feel, anyway, um, we don't need to get into my emotions or feelings about those things. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, Men Without Chess. So uh, Lewis imagined uh, man with uh, really two main driving – parts. Uh, one uh, is the stomach. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what sits in the stomach is emotion and urges and uh, uh, natural desires mm-hmm. um, of those things. Uh, and then what comes along a little bit later, he would probably say after grade school, uh, is the head, reasoning, uh, being able to think through things. You know, you know, and, mm-hmm. and what he said is the two need to inform each other. Uh, and when they are able to inform each other, uh, you get the development of a chest uh, and what he would call the development of virtue, mm-hmm. uh, the development of something useful. Um, and he would say that this is the goal of education. The goal of education is to help uh, students individually, he would say, mm-hmm. uh, develop their chest. Uh, if they tend to be too much uh, in their own head, being being, uh, they can be a cold reasoner. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they, they just uh, think through things very logically and need their stomach to inform that head a little bit. Or uh, they could be simply driven uh, by their urges and need their reason to develop that. And, and that helps develop these chests. And he would go uh, and he would say, uh, where do we find these things? Well, we find these things in well-worn paths mm-hmm. uh, throughout a variety of cultures. So in Abolition of Man, he doesn't just stick to scripture, uh, but he'll go uh, to – 
goodness, ancient Persian writings, or he'll go mm-hmm. to uh, he'll go to uh, uh, Tao writings in, in in China or wherever. So so he'll pull from four or five different religious traditions about what is good virtue, what is a good man, and then at the back of the book he has this amazing appendix where it's it's all like okay here here's this person saying on this topic and how do we develop mm-hmm. that. Hmm. Um, so, Doc, I, I've said a lot there. Uh, just, just quick off-the-cuff response. What, what, what does it make you think of? What does it make you uh, reflect on? Well, I think there's a couple of different directions that I would uh, comment on. One is, it, it's fascinating when you when you read about ancient cultures to see how they conceptualized the uh, the non – even this is probably not the most helpful way to put it, but the non-physical aspect of our existence, mm. meaning um, you know, where do emotions come from? Where do desires come from? Where does our, our will, our intellect, all these things like what, what body parts are associated with that particular idea? Mm-hmm. So, for example, uh, in Hebrew thought, it was tied often to your kidneys. Yeah, you know, in, in our in our culture, we think of oh, your emotions are tied to your heart. Basically, follow right. your heart, and typically, what that means is your feelings. But um, you know, other ancient uh, ancient cultures had had different places to to root that. The Greeks tended to root it more in the stomach. And what, what's the Greek word for that? Uh, splankna. Splankna. One yeah. of my favorites. Yeah, yeah. And, and it comes to mean uh, to you know compassion. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so when it talks when the, the gospels talk about Jesus having compassion on the crowds because they're harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Uh, you know, it 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 means that his his bowels were were like worked up mm-hmm. <laughs> like you know in a knot kind of thing like you know we all have that and we even there's a there's a reflection of this even in our english idiom right i had a gut feeling about that yeah yeah or i felt something in the pit of my stomach yeah, yeah. so um it's just fascinating to, to to see lewis kind of pulling on some of those ancient threads and putting things together um that, that those are some of the first things that came to mind when it comes to how do we understand that relationship between our our thoughts and intellect and and reason mm-hmm. and our uh, and our emotions and our feelings and our desires and our drives and I just think it is so difficult to sort that out and sometimes I th- and this is not a criticism of Lewis it's just more of a reality of there's a place for trying to parse out and separate some of this stuff. But it's one of those things where they're so intertwined oh, yeah. that it can be often very difficult to make sharp distinctions between those things because they're so interconnected. One of the things that, that – and I think it's a little uh, – well, it's certainly sarcastic. But in the book, he says uh, men that don't have a well-developed chest, <laughs> um, he calls them apes with trousers. Right, mm-hmm. uh, they have the ability to reason. They have mm-hmm. they have these urges, but but really they're just they're just animals uh, with with pants. Um, <laughs> Another lovely image in my head now. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So, Doc, one of Lewis's uh, – one of the things he talks about constantly is education. Is The, the goal is uh, citizen, uh, being a good citizen. That's my word. Uh, but uh, developing that chest, developing people of good virtue, that's what the education system, that's what teachers, that's what universities do. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not necessarily what we have in, in university or schools today. What, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, we tend to be more career-oriented and job-oriented. Right. Uh, how, how do you balance those? Because I think career and job stuff is certainly good. Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, the, there's certainly a, a place for <laughs> being able to support yourself. Sure. <laughs> so, but you're right. Our our educational system has taken a hard, hard turn towards the um, sort of the career end of things and towards the practicalities of what kind of job will this get me in terms of seeing college education in particular as. Uh, that being the goal. I go to college so I can get trained for a career. And obviously we want to say, well, sure. Yeah. That yeah. that's that's part of it. But uh there is, I think, an argument to be made for the the role of the university to help people learn how to critically think and to form them into a certain kind of people. Mm-hmm. And I mean the reality is our universities already do that at some level in terms of you end up being formed into a certain kind of person just by your experiences and by the courses you take and, and that kind of thing. But uh, what what Lewis seems to be advocating for and I think what part of the vision of a Christian liberal arts university should be is forming people to be uh, virtuous mm-hmm. people. And obviously as Christians, we would understand that in a very specific way as – Followers of Christ, mm-hmm. virtuous, not just necessarily in some vague generic sense of tell the truth and do good work and yeah, not not in a humanist yeah, way. Right. Although we would have things that we affirm sure. about that. But sure. Yeah. Absolutely. So uh, now, in fairness, I would say, being a parent of a college age student, I also think, you know, the cost of a university education is quite high. Yeah. And so I understand why parents say, so I'm going to spend how much money over the next four years and you're not sure what kind of job I might, my child might get out of that? Like I, I understand that that pull of, of that. But um, I, I think we – I think the pendulum has swung too far to just the – well, college is about getting trained for a career. Sure. So I, I think there still needs to be a, a strong emphasis on character formation and what kind mm-hmm. of people do we want to, to train. When, when you think about going about that, uh, that character formation piece, how do you, how do, you do that? Mm-hmm. How do you do that developing of the chest? Well, obviously, as Christians, we would, we would have a slightly different answer. But, I mean, basically, th- there has to be, I think, uh, a combination of – of what Lewis is is talking about, a training of the mind and reason, as well as a cultivation of godly desires. Mm-hmm. And um, and that's where I think we as Christians have something distinctive to contribute because of our understanding of humanity when it comes to um, understanding that apart from the work of the Spirit, 
there's only going to be so much that sort of human effort can accomplish in terms of forming those desires. Mm -hmm. I I also think reading and this has fallen on hard times. Reading philosophy, like like, like mm -hmm. seeing how great ancient men have thought through problems and 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 things like that, and seeing what they have found uh, to be useful or helpful, uh, can be shaping and forming uh, in in uh, in in a person's life, particularly a mm -hmm. young person's life. And then, right, I also think saying no to yourself. <laughs> you, you, you know what I mean? Uh, being able to to look at every urge you have and just say. No, thank you. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I'm going to deny myself this, um, even if it's something simple like a 12 or 15 or 24 hour fast mm -hmm. uh, can be a good way to to develop some of those things. Yeah, I think um, things that can cultivate that sort of um, delayed uh, delayed gratification. Mm -hmm. We live in such an instantaneous culture that we you know we want something and we think I have to have that right now. Mm -hmm. I should get that right now. And um, telling ourselves no, and I think there's there also can be a role for physical, uh, for physical training in terms of helping to discipline the body. Yes, yes. has a residual effect of helping to discipline the mm -hmm. mind and the appetites and the desires. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think this is a good conversation, and I think it uh, dovetails uh, with uh, with. Our work and purpose and vocation sure. as well. I, I think there are related facets here. Um, but I think it's time to move on also. I agree. Uh, let's talk some athletes. Let's do it. So episode 82, we have we have some good options here. Uh, we've got John Stallworth, wide receiver for the Steelers, part yeah. of that legendary Steelers team. Um, I remember him growing up and uh, he was paired alongside of Lynn Swan. Oh yeah, for yeah. Terry Bradshaw to throw to. So. Yeah, with uh, with Franco, as Franco the in the backfield, yeah. and Rocky Blyer as well. Rocky Blyer, what a name! Oh man, uh, Ozzie Newsom was a tight end for the Browns from '78 to '90, and then he's been an executive for the Baltimore Ravens since 1996. Since '96, yeah, my goodness. And he's been pretty involved in their drafting, which mm. they've drafted. They've, well, Very they've done well, well over the decades. So. I mean, 96, our college students are yeah. born after that. I know. I know. Um, that, yeah, I can't even can't even wrap my brain around that. I was married in 1996. So, <laughs> <laughs> so he's been a, a Ravens executive the length of my marriage. I was in the second grade. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, and Jason Witten tied in for the Cowboys for many years. And then uh, he took a year off. Was it just one year? I think just was in the year. in the yeah. Monday Night Football booth. And I said before we started recording, I said his year on Monday Night Football hurt him. Yeah. In in our picking, I think. Yeah. I think he dropped a level. <laughs> okay. And then our Ohio State contingent here. Ray Small was a wide receiver from 2006 to 2009. Um, had a very disappointing Ohio State career. Came in very highly recruited and. Um, had some off the field issues, hmm. but uh, you got a preference here, here, John? Um, I'm, I love a good exec. <laughs> I think longevity in that is very, very impressive. Mm -hmm. I'm probably Aussie. I agree. I think the fact, I mean, he, he had a Hall of Fame career as a player, hmm. and so adding his his uh, track record as a um, as an executive, I think I would add on to that and say. 
Ozzy Newsom's guy. Plus, of course, that plays well to our Cleveland contingent on the pod. So Ozzy Newsom, it is. One thing you liked. Uh, So I have started a new church history book uh, that I've been really enjoying called Bullies and Saints uh, by John Dixon. I'm listening to the audio book right now. Mm -hmm. It's the author reading the book. Lovely Australian accent, first of all. So it's it's a – but it's also just a – fun read. Uh, So he does a good job of of writing, making it relevant, making it an enjoyable church history read. Gotcha. Okay. And for me, um, this might seem obvious, but uh, my one thing I liked is the fact that I have good friends who are uh, willing to devote a long weekend to help me change the tiling to the tile floor in my kitchen. It needed updating and uh, you and Gabe did um, went above and beyond, but it was good fellowship. And, yeah, um, yeah, fun to work alongside. Now, hopefully, the the after effects on our on our bodies will <laughs> yes will fade away. And you know, with you coming up on vacation now, you know you'll have a chance to sort of really oh my rest and recover here. Thursday so. can't get here soon enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where are you going? Uh, St. Augustine, Florida. Okay. Yeah. And I think we'll be there like eight days, eight, nine days. Wow. Full, so. Flying? Oh, of course. Okay. Of course. Yeah. I look at my wife and she goes, I, I don't drive that far. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. That settles it. Good to know. Good to know. So we've talked a decent bit of sports, a lot going on, uh, which just by the way, isn't it nice to get out of that like Early July, where it's like, oh gosh, there's really not a lot going on. The Olympics helps fill the Olympic in some helps. of that gap. Yeah. We have talked about the need to develop better pectoral muscle muscles mm-hmm. among men. So men without chest, C.S. Lewis. We've talked Ozzie Newsom and his dual career as an executive and a player. We've talked about bullies and saints, and we've talked about tile projects. So I think. Ready to call mission accomplished? I think so. All right. I think that all that is left to say at this point is then, the Lord bless y'all real good. Later. Later.